I wanted my boss to pat me on the back and say, you did a great job with this project. Good. So I worked and worked and worked hard on this project. When I finally went to present it, they responded so nonchalantly, just tossed it to the side and told me that they'll get to it sometime next week. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by ASTOTS Academy, which offers online courses that help investors, aspiring professionals, business leaders, and even beginners to improve the finances of their lives and their businesses. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to claim your discount on the course that excites you the most. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guests, Jonathan Palmer. Jonathan, are you ready to rock? Ready to roll. Let's go. So I want to introduce you to my audience. Ladies and gentlemen, listen up. Here is the bio of Jonathan Palmer. Jonathan Palmer makes videos. John, take a minute and fill in further tidbits about your life. I feel like that just encapsulates it perfectly. One of the challenges that we hear every day, because I am a digital marketer that works on LinkedIn, that's really the heart of everything if I had to expand it a little bit more. But if there's one pet peeve that I have, if there's one thing that I identify as we help clients market their businesses on LinkedIn is it is so challenging for individuals to develop an effective elevator pitch. And on podcasts every day, we hear it. They'll go down this laundry list of different things, but trying to encapsulate it all or summarize it into a couple of words or a sentence can be very, very challenging. So I'm not just teaching people how to do it. I'm also living it. And the more that I can be concise and save people time, the more I feel like they'll invest in me. You know, it's so fascinating because, I mean, I consider myself pretty good at writing and thinking about the, the listener and the audience and all that. But every time I go on LinkedIn and try to rewrite my bio and all that, I'm like, and I do this and I do that and I can do this. Sometimes I've done that. And then you just realize that you just create this ocean of lack of, of focus. And I recently focus my LinkedIn profile on one simple thing. And I believe it is literally an undisputed, unchallenged message. I am your worst podcast host for <laughs> my worst investment ever podcast. That's it. Nobody's challenged me on it yet. And everybody looks at it and goes, this guy's nuts, but they remember. What do you have any advice for me or other people out there on LinkedIn when you think about kind of what is the message and why would it have to be so simple as I make videos? I think what it is, is we look at our work. We feel like maybe it's just all of the way that marketing traditionally has been. And just like the way that we communicate, whenever we're trying to sell something, we always feel like we need to pack in as much as possible. Like anytime that you've seen like a sale in a store or an advertising, what do they do? Like 
you could supersize your meal for 30 cents more. You know, you could get a drink size larger, buy one, get one free. Like we're trying to stuff as much value in as possible. Where I see the challenge is in the fact that like, for example, a great piece of content for like social media or something like that, you would think like, let's say that I wanted to create an article or a video or something, a post for social media, and it pertained to here is how to build a house. Now we can all agree that if I got into the step-by-step process of building a house, we could all understand how valuable that is. That took somebody 20, 30 years of experience to write it all out and go step-by-step. How many hours did they put into it? But if we were to present that as a piece of content, or if we were to present that as like our bio or, or something like that, provide somebody with an ebook, that is incredibly overwhelming. That is just too much. And if I was consuming a piece of content that looked like that, it would be such a turnoff because I cannot envision myself building a house. It's too complex. But if I told you, hey, I can show you how to organize your work from home desk. Now you're like, wait a second. I could do that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like I could actually take this one little thing that he said and put it into action. So if there's anything that I've learned about social media is we need to provide actionable advice. We need to provide actionable bios. We need to keep it incredibly simple because if one, it's the power of the scroll. It's not like a commercial where we're stuck there and we have to watch it. People will tune out. So attention is such a sensitive thing. It has to be as simple as possible. It reminds me of when I go to Audible and I look for my next book and I look at one book that's 12 hours and one book that's four. And I think, I do not want to commit 12 hours. I just don't have it. But this four hour one mm, could be interesting. Oh, wait a minute. There's a two hour one. And sometimes in the world of business, I often tell people that if you make it long, it means you're putting all the work on the person consuming it rather than you figuring out how to narrow it down. And maybe you could just, for the, for the audience out there, I know a lot of my listeners are on LinkedIn and they kind of, they, the, they see the power of LinkedIn and they understand it. But the truth is they're sitting there and they're going, ah, oh, Andrew, I just I don't know where to start. And it's overwhelming when I look at some of these people, just look at you, John, as an example. If I go to your LinkedIn and look at what you've produced and all that, I just don't know where to start. And I just wonder if you could give them a little, a little tidbit from all of your experience about where to start and how to, how to really do it right. One of the biggest challenges that we have with our clients is it's a confidence issue. So what will happen is when you get started on LinkedIn, what do you immediately recognize? You have professional individuals that have 30 years of experience that you're competing against for attention. You have individuals with years of experience with video that articulate incredibly well. Maybe they have some acting experience. Maybe they're professional writers. It's very quick and easy for us to feel overwhelmed. So what do we do? We tend to focus on the work of others. What I notice is very popular is sharing articles. It's rephrasing, paraphrasing other people's work because we don't feel like we have enough authority in order to take control and write our own content. We're so concerned about what everybody else is going to think of us. It's very juvenile when you break it down, right? These insecurities, it's like it goes back to childhood, right? But here's the reality of the situation. We have played the tape to the end so many times in our own minds. And what I mean by that is you've lived an incredible life. You've had some incredible experiences, but because you've played it in your head, like a VHS, rewinding it and playing it forward over and over and over again, 
it loses a lot of the sensationalism. It loses a lot of the special that it is. But for somebody that's hearing your story for the first time on social media, that has never heard that story before, that has never lived it, all of a sudden, it is brilliant. We've all had those experiences in our lives. So I think the first step is recognizing that we try to go on an exhibit, like we go on an adventure trying to search for the diamond, which is that perfect article that's going to resonate with a bunch of people. When what you really need to do is you need to polish the rock within you and discover the diamond that's inside. Because when you kind of polish it and you find that diamond, people will come to you. You are the diamond that people are searching for, right? So I think that it's just rephrasing that, reworking it and just polishing your diamond, creating a message that will resonate with people, but it is all within. You just have to do the work to polish it. A few quick things on that. For the young listeners out there, the VHS was a, a method <laughs> of creating and distributing video. But the other thing is it reminded me of The Wizard of Oz, which is that at the end, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but that I, I realized that it was within me. And that's the journey and that's the search that we all go through. And we realize that it was really within ourselves. And so the last part of that that I'm thinking about is that, so is what you're saying to try to think about stories and experiences that relate to your products and services to say, here's why I created this, or this was the problem I faced, or God, it was, you know, that those types of things are the types of things that we should be doing videos on? Yes, yes. Okay. I think it's good to be inspired by the work of others. I, mm -hmm. I would never discredit that. So what I would do is, step one, go to like a BuzzSumo mm -hmm. or YouTube. Type in a keyword related to your industry. On YouTube, filter by views. Why? Because on, on Google, unfortunately or fortunately, you have a little thing called SEO. So you can use a bunch of keywords to boost you in your position on Google. But here's the secret. On YouTube, it's the number two search engine, but you can filter by views. So you can identify exactly what people in your target market are actually searching for. So if you can develop a message around this thing that people are searching for, that you have experience and authority with, but say it in your own words. You know, basically, if the challenge was, I'm not a good closer, just a crazy example. I would literally go to YouTube, put in how to be a better closer, watch the piece of content, see how they approached it. How can I basically add some, some steps to that process? How would I approach it given the same situation? Mm -hmm. And then the next step would be start with a relatable subject, which is how many of us struggle with trying to gain new business or closing? That's step one, make it relatable so that right. everybody, because most of us have struggled with closing deals or, you know, negotiating, whatever it may be, right? So lead with that, lead with something that everybody can relate with. Mm. And then from there, explain to people how you kind of approach that challenge, what you experienced and how you overcame your fears of closing. And now that you are past this point, you've gone through the transformation what are some actionable tips that you could give to your audience so that they can apply it to their own lives? And that is a perfect piece of content. Beautiful. And don't worry about what other people say about it and all that. So great steps there. Go search for your keyword. And also remember when you type in the, think about what your, what your ideal client also is typing in. Like 
improve my closing ratio as an example. When you type that in, you also get a list of suggestions that come down as a dropdown that I suppose is YouTube saying, yeah, this is similar types of searches that have sent people. So if you're searched and then, then you'll kind of be able to really narrow it in and then filter by, by views and then look at what other people are doing and then think about how you face that challenge and then think about how you can make it relatable and then tell them how you went through that. And the beauty of what you're describing, and I think for the, for the listeners out there, the beauty of this is that this, is, this brings us back to a word I just love, which is authenticity. When it's your struggle and you could be 28 years old and you're not 30 years experience, but there's a 28 year old out there that would love to hear how you overcame the same issue that they're overcoming. And that is the beauty of it is authenticity. So have I summarized it right? You summarized it right. Absolutely. Got it. Well, speaking of authenticity, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstance leading up to it and then tell us your story. So we grow up with this belief that we need to trust and search for the approval of other people constantly. It's just human nature to want to fit into the pack. So we're constantly searching for that. We constantly want people to give us the validation that we're going on the right path. And if you have any courage within yourself, there's always going to be that natural pull to go after what you really want, as opposed to what standards are said to be, like what status quo is. So I would say that that was my worst investment ever, is the belief that I needed the approval of my friends, my family, my coworkers, anybody, even an audience. That was by far my worst investment because the time it cost me, the money that I wasted concerning myself with something like that, I had no idea when I was going through it. But now that I've kind of stepped away from it, yes, like I recognize that my worst investment ever was searching for the approval and validation of others. And can you, as you look back, when you're in the heat of that moment, that time in your life, what's something that kind of makes you cringe to think, why was I doing that? Why was I saying that? Yeah, no, it, it, sometimes it got pretty dramatic. I would put myself in some seriously uncomfortable situations. I remember there was one time that I wanted to complete this project so bad. And it wasn't even, I'll get to that part soon, but I wanted to finish a project so bad. So I put my heart and soul into it. We're talking about months upon months of 60 hour weeks, working on this project, putting my heart and soul into it because I just wanted my boss to be happy. I wanted my boss to pat me on the back and say, you did a great job with this project, good. So I worked and worked and worked hard on this project. When I finally went to present it, they responded so nonchalantly just tossed it to the side and told me that they'll get to it sometime next week. And that is when I recognized that was that breaking point where I realized like, I put all this time into it. I should be proud of myself. But if I'm trying to get this person to validate me, I'm always going to be disappointed. Mm. And that's when I started to reframe that 
you know, people will always disappoint you because your expectations will never match what they provide you with. Right. They, they did not live it. They did not sit there 60 hours a week working on this project like you did, not the way that you committed yourself to it. So that was the beginning of when I started to reframe my situation and get away from this belief that I need the validation of others. And then it gets, gets a lot deeper. Then right. it was like right. parents, parents like saying, you need to go down this path. You need to do this thing right. But it always leaves you feeling empty mm. because more than anything else, even if you do accomplish whatever the said task is, if it's not in your heart to be, this is what I really want, you're never going to feel fulfilled. You're just going to feel like it's a cup with a hole in it. And you're just always <laughs> searching for more of it. And I feel like I didn't get to the point where I started to fix myself, I suppose, or I didn't start to realize how bad of an investment it was until I started to build an audience. And then that's when the, that's when the awareness really started to kick in. Right. Can I say approval is like a cup with a hole in it? You know, searching for approval yes. is like a cup with a hole in it. So tell me what lessons, how would you summarize the lessons that you learned from going through that experience of constantly searching for approval? That it's, there's, there's no reward at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the road, there is no reward. Damn, stop, Never. stop right there. I mean, that, that just like, smacks you in the face and ladies and gentlemen think about that carefully and i think john's already mentioned it that searching for approval or doing things for the purposes of getting approval is like getting a cup with a hole in it and then to say that there's no return it's shocking i mean how many people listening to this podcast right now and people all around the world are literally working their asses off to do something to get approval and there is no return any other lessons? I'd say that that was the biggest one, but I had enough of those experiences. Like, cause it's, it was not one large investment necessarily. Mm, yep. It was a lot of small, I diversified my yep. investments. <laughs> I <laughs> diversified about, my worst investment. Right. I diversified my worst investment. So it was like partners and friends, family, mm. all of that stuff. But it, it always led to the same return until right. I started investing in myself. When mm. I started investing in myself and doing the work for myself, then I started to see a return because it's not so much the micro successes that you create for yourself lead up to the, the big successes that you start to experience. So when you kind of like cash out, you can kind of like search back and look at everything that you've done and realize the fact that like I built something for me instead of sitting there and building building up the net worth of all of these other people, building up houses and mm. castles for everybody else. When I started building my own home, when I started to build myself up, I realized, okay, I can live in this now, as opposed to trying to rent out space from everybody else. Mm. So that was very powerful. And I think that if there's anything to take away from the experience is that we need to focus more on how we're building ourselves up, how we're investing in ourselves, as opposed to how much we're trying to build others in spite of maybe how we feel, if right. you can find somebody that you can work with and it's a partnership where it's balanced and the give and take is equal, then more power to you. Mm. But if you're, if the amount of effort that you're putting to reach that validation is not equal to the outcome that they provide you with, then you will never, you will never get the return that you want. Mm. Yeah. So let me summarize what I took away from your story. I mean, the first thing is you just flashed into my mind of, of a guy that I knew that said, 
I said, hey, how, how are you doing today? And he was like, ah, I just had a fight with my girlfriend. She said, I don't know why she's so upset. I put in my 5% in the relationship. And you think about that's the way a person that you're trying to please is probably thinking about you, that it's your responsibility to put in everything into this relationship. But the second thing, you reminded me of a time I was about 18, maybe 19 years old, and I had moved in with a, a guy that I knew from junior high and high school who later became my best friend and later became my business partner in one of my businesses. And he runs our coffee business here in Thailand. His name's Dale. And basically we're having some, we were out somewhere and somebody was talking to him and he was complaining about something that Dale said or did. And Dale said to him, cause I was always a, a people pleaser looking for approval. And Dale said something that just like blew me back, really, really knocked me. And, um, he said to the guy, if you have a problem with that, that's your problem. And I just never, I was like, wait a minute, you can say that and you can think that. And Dale taught me a real lesson that started waking me up to that. So the idea being that this is my life, this is my decision, this is my thinking. And some people are going to like it and some people aren't. And you know what? That's their problem. Now, it's not like you're saying, you know, I'm going to punch you in the face and it's your problem. That's not what we're talking about, but I'm living my life and I'm doing my things. And, you know, there's going to be people that don't like it and that's their problem. So that's kind of my takeaway. Anything you'd add to that? No, I think that encapsulates it. I think it's yeah. just, it's recognizing like what other people think of us is none of our business. And if they're audacious enough to share something like that, typically they're right. Those uncomfortable conversations that we build up in our own minds like that, like sometimes that's exactly what we need to hear to just make it click and, and, and recognize like, yeah, you know, you're creating. That's the thing. My boss that did not give me the validation that I wanted, it's not his fault. Mm. And that was the takeaway. When I left that room, I realized the mistake I made. He didn't make a mistake. He was actually really smart. He found somebody that was incredibly passionate that put a ton of time into the work. But the fact that he was unromantic about my journey, about what I went through, and he could completely separate himself from the result. Like he only cared about the results. Yeah. But we love to romanticize the process and say, we did this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, most clients, most people that we work with, what's the result? If you had to go through X, Y, and Z, that's great. But the only people that are really going to understand or respect that are the ones that are experiencing it in that moment. Got it. So based upon what you learned from this experience and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? I think it goes back to what I was saying. You have to polish your own diamond. You need to start looking introspectively and really begin to understand what is really important to me. Why is it that whether it's self-love or maybe you haven't completely, because we talk to people in their 40s and 50s, and when you're having a conversation with them, you recognize they still haven't found themselves. I know it's super cliche to say, mm. but we really can't start to love and care for people until we start to love and care for ourselves. So I would say like nurture yourself as an investment, really take the time to look introspectively, figure out what you really want, what's really important to you, and then have the courage to actually act on it. So many of us are feel like, okay, everything's good enough. But the reality is, is if you could have it your way, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. Really take some time to write that down and figure out who you really want to be. 
a place like LinkedIn right now is amazing for that because it is such an, a supportive community of individuals. And if you want to go out and try something, I came from a forensic accounting background and that was less than two years ago. Mm. And I realized that that was not what was going to make me happy in life. I had another calling, but I had to have the courage to recognize it, to look introspectively, to write down what I really want to do, and then actually take the steps to make that dream come true. But it started with that breaking point, recognizing that if I keep searching for the validation of others, I'm never going to find what, what really works best for me. Got it. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? I make videos. I'm not planning tomorrow. I'm not planning next week. I'm not planning next year. That's one of the things that I felt that challenged me the most is I tried to plan things out too far ahead. Just like any other investment, they're volatile. Mm. They'll go up, they'll go down, just like life. So like Warren Buffett says, just leave it alone. (laughs) I'm not planning anything. I'm keeping the investment there and we'll see what happens. But right now, I'm not planning a single moment. Mm. Listeners, that's a great way to think about it. Your objective really is today to be the best of you and bring out the best of you and be authentic. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com to claim your discount on the course that excites you the most. As we conclude, Jonathan, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? This wasn't the worst podcast I've ever been on. So I consider this a success story. Amen. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts saying that I'll see you on the upside.